Father, we thank you for your kingdom, that it is right now. It is coming and it's right now. We thank you for your presence, that you're here among us. I thank you for the anointing of God, the spirit of the Lord that rests here and is resting here. And oh God, we just say, continue to increase your presence and your glory in our midst. Teach us as a people to host your presence, to accommodate your word, your government, your kingdom. Teach us to steward well, which you've put in our care to take the grace of God and allow it to bear much fruit to the glory of your name. Today, God, I pray that you move us from the inside out, God, that you cast fresh fire on the altar of our souls this morning. I ask for something fresh from heaven to be released out of the hearts and into the hearts of your people today where people have grown stale or wearied from the war, that God, they be renewed in faith, in hope, and in love, oh God, and be set ablaze by your goodness, by your passion, by your zeal, and they'd be a well-watered garden, oh God, filled with the joy and the peace and the glory of God. Refresh your garden in the name of Jesus. Move us from one measure of glory into the next. One measure of strength into the next. One measure of faith into the next in the name of Jesus. Do it by your power this morning. In the nombre de Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful Luke shared the word that he did. It was very prophetic and just in line with what I feel the Lord has given me today to share with the body. Because part of the way I, I at least initially titled some of the essence was get in the spirit and come to the mountain of the Lord. He was seeing a strong mountain and the coming and the beholding it is right along with what we're gonna get into today. And I pray that more than words, that it's received something as from the spirit, from heaven that moves us to the next place. We need something from God today. And the scripture says, he who speaks should speak as an oracle of God. And I speak in faith that I have something from heaven for us today. And may we take it and may it inform us and move us into the purposes of heaven with fresh fervor in Jesus' name. Amen. So much has been said over the many months. We're in such an incredible season of time. But let me just say that we are at a, a, a precipice, a threshold, a transition in the body of Christ. And us here in this community, we must come out of carnal Christianity out of immature ways and come into a living and true spiritual life in Christ that leads us to real maturity. God is calling us into maturity because there's things to be done in the earth for the glory of his name, amen? God wants to take us out of our sensuality and bring us into a life informed by the spirit where we live by the light of his word. If we wanna walk in love, as we've heard, we want to walk in a way that gives God glory. Friends, it can only be done by living according to the Spirit through faith in the Son of God. A whole other level of reliance upon Him. It takes a crucified life. A crucified life that allows the life of God Himself to live through you and I. Do you realize, like Paul said in Galatians, I no longer live. 
This is your reality. This is my reality. This is the truth. And it's very easy to be bewitched out of that truth. We no longer live. But Christ lives in me. And the life that we live in this flesh, we live literally by faith in the Son of God who loved us. Where Christ himself wants to live through you. <laughs> out of this collective temple, out of this individual temple, God wants to manifest himself to the world and make himself known and be seen as beautiful through our lives. Amen? That's beautiful, but it takes a surrendered life that is yielded to his voice, his word, his ways, and that can come into greater partnership. Are you with me? And listen to me. Your hardship, your trials in this season, they're by divine design. And they're meant to be received as discipline from the Lord in order to train us in godliness and how to live by the Spirit so that God himself can produce righteousness in us and cause us to actually share in his holiness. Trials must come to learn to move us out of our fleshly ways and teach us to live by faith in the Son of God. Trials refine you. God is wise, amen? Blessed is the one who is not offended by him. That's why God will allow you to get offended, and your offense is only an exposure of the quality and condition of your heart and your invitation to be changed, your invitation into surrender, your invitation to behold and be transformed, amen? Your hardships and trials are to be received as loving discipline from the Lord. Amen? See, all too often we grow weary in well-doing and we forget God's good intention as Father. When we forget God's heart and love for us, his kindness, his kind intention towards us, we often resist his hand. We resist his voice. We resist his ways. Because of the uncomfortability and pain of the struggle, of the trial, of the hardship, of the tragedy, of the loss, of the frustration. Your frustration is only pointing to your upgrade in the grace of God. Come on, say amen. amen. Your frustration is your invitation to an upgrade. So don't complain. Hey. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We have to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand and let ourselves be trained by the Father of our spirit so that we can live. If we resist him or grow weary or forget his heart, friends, that's why scripture over and over again says, do not despise the discipline of the Lord. Don't despise it. Don't resent it. Don't grumble against it. God does this to the children in whom he loves. So consider yourself loved, chosen, adored. God is committed to bring you forth into maturity, blameless in love. That's what he's accomplished in Christ, and now it's got to actualize in your real life experience through the participation of your faith, your yes, your surrender, your obedience. Amen? This is real. We don't want to resist God. We need the help of God. Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal when it comes to definitely coming out of carnal Christianity versus a life in the spirit that leads to maturity and partnership with God, 
To live for Christ, guys, it takes the very power of Christ. The church is a supernatural people. We can't live this thing and serve God in our own abilities and our own efforts. Our own desire and energies cannot produce the righteousness that God requires. Because God does require righteousness. That's why Christ came to produce it in us. The fruits of righteousness that come by him, through him, and for him. For the world to see what he's like and what he does with people that were a broken mess and puts them on display to reveal his goodness and the nature of redemption and restoration. God is good. The problem is we've often forgot who we are. As a church, we've not operated supernaturally in the power of God and operated by faith. We've acted like mere mortals or mere men. We've conformed to the patterns of this world in so many ways, and we've diminished our faith and our walk with God to mere principles, good values, social service, and are totally earthbound in so many ways, and we have forms of godliness without transforming power that leads to real righteousness in a life that's changed. Part of the problem is that we are earthbound. Our hope is set in this life, in this age, wanting what we want, rather than a heart and a hope set in eternity. A heart and hope that is set in the age to come and rooted for the fame and glory of God and not ourselves, right? We serve a living God, friends. He is among us. He's inside of us. He's among us. He is not just the God that is far away. He's the God here now. He dwells in the spirit. God is spirit. Thus, we must learn to worship him in spirit and in truth. We are a temple fitted together as living stones, a dwelling place for God in the spirit. That's why we offer continually the sacrifice of praise and prayer, giving the fruit of our lips, giving thanks. We seek him day and night in prayer to host the presence of God because he's here. He wants to be interacted with, engaged with. God is among us. And we're, we're a people that must learn how to take the reality of God's power, his authority, his life, and impose it wherever we go. Let alone rule our own heart, life, emotions by the spirit of the Lord. Because we're no longer slaves of sin, are we? The gospel says we're not. But often we still act like slaves of sin. Often we still act like we're victims of the power of the law of sin and death. When if that's the very thing we have been set free from in the gospel, we must learn how to lay hold of that. We must learn how to participate with the truth of the gospel so that we can run well and live in his power and reign in life through Christ. Walk in victory, prevail, overcome, be an influence of the gospel wherever we go, let alone rule our own soul, our own mind by the Holy Ghost. Amen? This is real. Learning to govern our life by the Holy Spirit. Learning to walk by the Spirit as to not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's the only way. You can't overcome the flesh by flesh. We overcome flesh and struggle and all that comes along with the realm of the flesh. We overcome it by living by the Spirit. By living by the truth of the divine exchange that's been given to us in Christ. This is real. 
God has given us everything we need, and we must not fall short of the grace of God, nor take the grace of God in vain. This is New Testament writers, apostles' continual warning and encouragement to the people of God to not let the grace of God prove vain towards us, to not let the resource and deposit of God in your life prove vain by not allowing it to bear fruit in your life. Please hear me. There is sobriety on what I'm saying to you today, but also glorious invitation, joyful exchange. But there must be fresh hunger. But I'm telling you, friends, we are warned consistently not to take grace in vain. Grace is not just a cover-up for our sin. Grace is not a pat on the back to say, it's okay. That's not grace. The Bible says, the grace of God that has appeared, that saves all men, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live soberly, righteously, and self-controlled in this age as we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. A people that he's redeemed for himself to be zealous for good works. Woo! Titus 2, baby. Drink it. Eat it. Smoke it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. The word. I mean the word, bro. The word. <laughs> Burn incense before the Lord, you know? Grace has got supernatural ability and strength to actually obey what truth requires. God is going to come one day and judge all creation according to truth without partiality. The righteous and the unrighteous alike, friends. And it is the grace of God that enables us to obey and do what truth commands. Grace has been given that we can escape the corruption that's in the world through lust and obey the gospel and thus be saved from the wrath of God and inherit eternal salvation. Yay! This is sound truth. This is good. <laughs> Friends, with all the struggle, the trial, the wrestle, the stumblings, everything, guys, we are being prepared as a people and as a church globally for greater works and greater partnership with God. That's why he's refining, humbling us, inviting us into greater rest because we must learn how to live by the Spirit and steward the entrustment of God so that we can be his witnesses in the earth. There's more work to be done. You're called to disciple nations. We are called to disciple nations, to be change agents in culture, a collective signpost, a prophetic witness of the age to come. We got stuff to do. And he's preparing the people that have said yes. There's been shaking, there's been sifting, and it's by divine design for such a time as this because greater entrustment is coming to those that say yes. But that's one of the reasons for the shaking. The question is, what will you do? God has called us to be a fruitful vine that bears fruit all over the earth. Isaiah 27, John 15, everywhere. God has appointed the people to bear fruit you know, the beginning of Isaiah 27, very significant that I, I can't get into today. There's a promise of God with his mighty sword, powerful sword, slaying the serpent Leviathan. And out of God destroying demonic strongholds liberates the people to bear fruit to cover the earth. And there is demonic powers and things and operation through the agreement of the saints in the church, in the land, in the region that stifles the ability for fruit to be born. And God is trying to slay the things that divide his people, that corrupt 
through gossip, slander, offense, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. He wants to clear those things away and put it to death by the word of the Lord so that we can be free to bear fruit with the truth. God is causing us and will cause this community and the church of Jesus Christ truly to fill the earth with the knowledge of God. We're seeing unprecedented moves of God around the earth right now. Unprecedented amounts of Muslims are coming to Jesus right now. Jews are coming to Jesus. Lost are being saved everywhere. It's amazing. Unprecedented levels. It's incredible. And church, we together are being called into greater unity and one-mindedness. And that's part of the refinement. This is part of the refinement. Because when there is selfish ambitions, when there is resentments, offense, walls between brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, when there is these things operating in the soul, unity in the church and kingdom advancement that leads to multiplication is impossible. A house divided cannot stand. God's intention is that we would be a united people in heart and mind so with one voice and a one effort, we can labor for the progress of the gospel to the glory of God. The Lord is one, and we, friends, are to be one as the Lord is one. That is a miracle. And the only way that happens is by a people who can live in the spirit, who can operate in the spirit. We have been calling and teaching and preaching for consecration and preparation and of returning to first love. We've been calling for a greater alignment of our lives to authentic faith that manifests in the way that we think and the things that we say and the things that we do. And even this accommodation of day and night worship and prayer, friends, it's a gift from God. It's also a stewardship. And it is a refining fire that's testing the hearts and minds of this community. When prayer and worship become a burden, oh, beware. Oh, beware of your own soul. This whole thing is an opportunity to go to the next level together. So again, I want to say, whatever the struggle, the hardship of your heart and mind, I want to just encourage you, receive it as discipline from the Lord and an opportunity to grow. Don't despise his discipline. Hebrews 12, read it for yourself. Meditate on that. Go and meditate on Hebrews 12 in its entirety. It's so beautiful. We need to understand the ways of God and we'll never be able to participate with him. We'll always resist him, point the finger, complain, and accuse God because we don't understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. We need to grow up in the grace of God, amen? Take it as love from God. He loves us. He loves you. <laughs> like deeply, passionately, jealously. Jealously, he loves us. And the judgments of God, friends, is in the earth. And the Bible says that judgment starts in the house of God. And friends, it is. God is shaking the earth and shaking his church all over the place and exposing corruption, exposing sin, exposing the hidden things that would hurt the reputation of his name when his glory increases. God wants to be represented rightly. He wants an authentic witness, a people who can bear the weight of his glory in the next season. That's why God is shaking. I love Isaiah 26, another key meditation for this season. It talks about when God's judgments are in the earth, get this, 
When God's judgments are in the earth, it says the inhabitants or the peoples learn righteousness. <laughs> when God's judgments are in the earth or his works, his ways, even his good, the good, friends, they are telling us of who God is and what he's like and what he does. We learn righteousness and eventually we will behold the majesty of the Lord. And in the vulnerability of shaking, I just, I'm, I'm laying a frown work, a groundwork, because this is not the fullness of what I'm talking to you about today. In the vulnerability of testing, shaking, struggle right now, trials which are needed and necessary to prove us authentic and genuine and ready for the next level of entrustment. Listen, I, I shared this one other time in worship, but listen, sin is crouching at the door for many of you. Old familiar things. Sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you, but God would have you rule over it. God's intention is that you would learn to rule over it and reign through the gospel. Learn how to live by the spirit and overcome. We're on the threshold of incredible breakthrough. Come on, say breakthrough. breakthrough. It is upon us. We can't grow weary. There's incredible breakthrough that's coming that's vast. This is not a time to shrink back, friends. It's time to rise up with courage and with hope in God's good intention to do what he said. Right? I love what Hebrews chapter 6 says. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you have hoped for will be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but imitate those who have through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. For we can be greatly encouraged. We have a hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. In other words, in the very presence and glory of God, where the forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. <laughs> That's good. That means we need to maintain diligent pursuit to not become sluggish, lazy, passive, or checking the boxes, going through the motions in life. Look at me. You and I have to always guard against the familiarity that causes you to go through the motions without heart. That's called religion. Formalities. Honoring with the lips, but hearts far from him. God forbid it from this house. God forbid it from my life. That we'd be sincere and pure. And it's okay to be weak in heart. Acknowledge that and cry out. As a deer pants for the waters. Where else does our help come from? Where else can we go? When we're a beast, be a beast before him. <laughs> he loves you and accepts you in that. He's good. So when I'm going to talk about some of the things I'm going to say, I just want to understand that it, it's in context and not in contradiction in any way to God's divine order and government in the body of Christ or appointed leadership or eldership or their need for gifted teachers in the body and the need to be taught. What I'm going to say doesn't oppose that at all. And I can't teach on all that, but we need to understand something. In the context of God's design, we need to also understand that you and I have been given all things in Christ. We have been given all things for life and godliness. We don't lack anything. He's given us everything by divine power, by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He's given us his spirit that leads us into all truth and teaches us what is true. The anointing in you is true and it will lead you into all truth. Listen to me, this is really important to understand. 
Because if we don't, we'll never take advantage of the God-given birthright we have. The new covenant tells us this, that no one will need to say to you, know the Lord. Why? Because the Lord himself will write his laws on your heart and mind and you will know the Lord and God himself will teach you. That's Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8. This is the new covenant. God takes away sin, the things that separate you and make you hostile towards God in your mind because of evil deeds. God removes the issue so you can have confidence before him. Come before him with freedom, with liberty, and actually be taught by the glory of God. And we can be masters of beholding. And God himself can write, not on tablets of stone, but God himself can write on the tablet of your heart. That's why King David in Psalm 119 says, I have more wisdom than my teachers. I have more understanding than the ancients. Why? Because I love your law and I meditate on your glory and I obey your precepts. Woo! That wasn't arrogance for young David. He knew a hidden wisdom. He knew what it was to behold glory and beauty and majesty and come before God unashamed, knowing he was forgiven, trusting in the mercy of God. And that God himself would give him revelation and insight to his ways, his heart, his word. We need to understand the glory of the new covenant. We are royal priests. Come on, say, I am a royal priest. You have access to his presence. What? You in the other room better get this. I don't know if I can run over there. <laughs> Maybe I should. That's how we do it. Come on, we are royal priests that have access to his very presence. Because Christ lives, we live with him. And he has given us spiritual capacity to actually see him. See him with the eyes of our heart. Let me tell you something. We suffer so much in life because we don't see from the heart, but are stuck in the rational mind. Hear what I'm saying to you. We are so Western in so many ways. Have to figure out, speculate. If you speculate, rationalize, try to figure out God, his kingdom, his ways, his words, Listen to me, you'll be darkened in understanding and be given over to all kinds of foolishness. You understand first in your spirit. We understand by faith. We understand the language of the spirit is the language of the heart first. A. It's the truth. It's a language of the heart and we don't know how to often operate from the heart. It's the seat of exchange, of consciousness, of communion, of intimacy with God is first in your spirit. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit was joined to your spirit. You were made one spirit with the Lord. I could run over a wall right now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It's better than you know. It's better than I know. We need to keep being blown away by this thing. You have more access than what you take advantage of. You don't understand your, where's Sky Michael saying? You don't have your benefits. You've forgotten his benefits. That's why the scripture says, forget not his benefits. <laughs> Don't forget what's been given to you in Christ. Unpack that thing. Partake of that thing. Listen to John 14. Listen, we have capacity to see, and you and I need to learn to see to go to the next place in the kingdom. You want to have greater liberty in your life, greater overcoming of besetting sins and weights and snares and worries and fears and anxieties and immoralities. You want to have greater strength to overcome, the answer is to see him. 
The scriptures say, if the seed of God is in you, you cannot continue to sin because there's no sin in him. How was that possible? We know our, we know our human existence. We know our human struggle, right? But we often identify with human weakness and struggle and don't identify with the truth of the gospel. And it says, anyone that continues to sin has not seen him or known him. That means continual cycles of sin just means that there's areas of blindness in your soul that have not beheld his glory, that have not beheld the provision of God in Christ for you. That's the truth, which means why we need revelation, why we need to take time to peer into his glory and be transformed by the spirit into the same image. This is real. Listen, we are called to seek him. I'm not called to just follow good principles, though I will do that. I'm called to follow a person. I'm called to know a man through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The church needs to learn how to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. To have real friendship with God. I'm telling you, I'm so burdened by this. People need to know him, friends. Worship is not singing songs at God. It's an active participation with the joy of the Holy Spirit glorifying the Son. It's a living engagement with what's happening in heaven, in the realm of heaven right now. Uh, John 14 says, this is what Jesus said. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Come on, say, that's good news. <laughs> say, I'm not an orphan. We're not. He's not left us alone, if indeed Christ lives in you. Because I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. What? Because I live, you will live and know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. <laughs> Woo! The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. We will make our home with them. That means the, the realm of the ability to see Jesus is an issue of seeing with the eyes of the heart in the spirit and communing with the person of God. This is a reality right now for you. We need to learn to get in the spirit and live in the spirit. There is a realm of engagement with God that the saints desperately need to learn to give themselves to in the corporate assembly and in the solitary place of prayer. When we come together and assemble together, there's something powerful and glorious that we cannot have when we're alone. There's a beautiful reality of God with us. And there are supernatural encounters with God's glory and experiences in his presence that are going to elevate us to the next place in God. And it's going to expand the borders of our understanding and our knowledge of him and expand our capacity to partner with him. Because he's given us entrance into his very presence. You hear me? There are supernatural encounters that are available to us and that are on the horizon right now that are going to catapult us. One divine exchange in his presence can liberate you from what you've been struggling with for 30 years. You may have been trying counseling for 25 years. One moment of real exchange in that place, you're free. I'm all 
for understanding process. I get it. But in that process, it's all about exchanging with the glory of God and what's available to you now. There's no other answer to your wholeness besides Jesus. Provision has been made for everything. There's no plan B. Burn the ships, friends. There's no plan B. We must come to the mountain of the Lord, to the heavenly city, to the new Jerusalem. This is real, guys. The glory of the new covenant offers more than we really take advantage of, guys. We must learn to see him and receive from God. We have to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We have to learn how to draw life and strength from the spirit, build ourselves up in our most holy faith and keep ourselves in the love of God. You have a responsibility to keep yourself in God's love. His love does not change, it does not move, it does not shift from you. We have to learn by the Spirit to keep ourselves in His love. By learning to drink from the Spirit, draw from the Spirit, lean into Him. And there's a heavenly place that's available right now that we have to learn to enter. The Bible says we have not come to a mountain that can be touched, like Sinai, the covenant of old, where God's glory came made it smoke, people were terrified, heard the voice. He says, we've not come to such a mountain that can be touched. We've come to Mount Zion, a heavenly city. This is what you have come to. This is not some mystical fantasy. I'm talking about a real reality in heaven, in the spirit, in the realm of God that we can learn to come and approach right now by the spirit. And the Bible goes on to say, even higher stakes, it says if people under that covenant of Sinai with Moses died on the account of two or three witnesses, how much more if we refuse him who speaks from heaven now in this heavenly realm that you have access to? Whoa, big deal. God puts a responsibility on us to hear from heaven, to hear from the spirit, to know what he's saying and doing and what he requires of you. Are you with me? This is not nonsense. Some of you might think he's talking nonsense over mysticism, something alien, overly spiritual and impractical. Let me tell you something. If you think that or feel that in any way, I'm just telling you it all the more speaks to the dilemma of the Western church. That we're so unaccustomed to the spirit and our primary citizenship. We are so intellectual, we don't know what it is to live supernaturally by the Holy Ghost. And God is teaching us that. Listen, I'm not talking about vain imagination. Paul talks about people that are puffed up with vain imagination with visions in their mind, with dreams and all these things. But he also talked about the legitimacy of being caught up into the third heavens and seeing unutterable things that marked his life and defined the apostolic ministry that we all are still drinking from. So I'm not talking about a lady just fabricating things of our imagination, but I am talking about a real supernatural reality that's available through the Holy Spirit that we are called to partake of. Paul consistently prayed that the spirit of revelation and wisdom would rest on us so that we could see from the heart in order to know God better. All the apostles encouraged us to hear the Lord's voice, to keep in step with the spirit. In the early church, as the, the gospel broke out, the people had to, out of a context of worship, fasting, prayer, waiting on the Lord, the spirit of God would speak to show them they would see, they would hear, they would follow the leadership of a living God moving around them and through them. It must be the same for us. We must learn how to come to God in the spirit. This is what the blood of Jesus has given us access to. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace 
Do you think that is just rhetoric? Do you think the writer of Hebrews was just being poetic? I don't think so. I think he was talking about a real reality because the entire book is exalting the priesthood of Jesus and how Jesus entered into the heavenly tabernacle, the true one that Moses just made a copy of. There's an actual tabernacle in the spirit, in the heavens. Is that a bizarre thought to some of you? It initially was a pretty bizarre thought to me. This is real, and you're meant to interact with it, engage with it. The blood of Jesus is meant to clean our conscience so that we can actually come into a throne place of exchange and behold him who sits on the throne. We're called to look at him with unveiled faces as though in a mirror. This is incredible. We are to literally look at the face of God through the Spirit. When we see him, we are changed. When we see him, we are changed. We are called to fix our eyes on what is unseen and that which is eternal, to live by faith and not by sight. And it's only when we can truly begin to operate that way that it begins to condition our life, our soul, our character, our consciousness to live in such a way that's pleasing in his sight. In that same passage out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, he goes on to say, this is how I know whether I live or die, whether I'm in the body or not in the body, I live to please him. Because I will one day stand before the throne of judgment and receive what is due to me based on what I've done in my body, whether good or bad. He says, but now knowing the love of God and the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. In light of what I've seen and what I know that's coming and what I interact with, friends, I must make other people ready while I navigate my own life in purity and truth. Friends, we must lay hold of greater measures of the Spirit of God. The Scripture says that we are alive by the Spirit, but we have to learn to walk by the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Uh, see, Apostle John understood that we've been transferred out of darkness and into light, out of the realm of the flesh and into the spirit. And yet he still said things like, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. I'm highlighting that to say that there's a, a practice of learning how to get in the spirit, how to learn to engage the Holy Spirit, how to access a heavenly realm that's available to you and I. And I'm telling you, if we don't learn to access it, we will stay carnal, immature Christians. We are no earthly good without being heavenly minded. Truly engaging heaven will help us live practically and soundly in the faith. When I'm filled with the love of God, it's easy to obey him. When I'm full of the love of God, it's easy to sacrifice. When I'm full of the love of God, it's easy to lay down my life for my wife and my kids. It's easy to make the hard decisions when I'm drinking in the love of God that I experience through communion. But if we don't take the time to commune with God in that place of exchange, friends, your spirit will be malnourished. You'll be bankrupt and striving in your own energy to perform and work for God. Obedience is born out of love from the spirit of God. We must learn how to go to this deeper place of getting in the spirit. If Christ is in us, we are in the spirit. But friends, we have to engage there. We must learn to engage this realm. Scripture talks about building yourself up in the Spirit, being governed by the Spirit, by the Spirit, learning to sing and pray in the Spirit. <laughs> learning to hear from the Spirit, learning to put to death the misdeeds of your body by the Spirit. 
This is real, friends. To impose the life of God that's available to you, that literally helps you escape the corruptions in the world through lust, you're meant to be a divine partaker of God's very glory by the Spirit. This is real. And the problem is we often act like mere mortals. We often live like paupers, still earthbound, sensual, and living by natural instinct. Guys, we've got to come up to the next level of faith. We've got to come up into authentic faith through the spirit and power of God. This is the same spirit available to you and me that was the same spirit that operated on Christ himself in the earth. And Paul wants us to know the exceeding greatness of his power that works towards us who believe. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is alive on the inside of you. We have to learn how to access that by faith. By faith, by a confident persuasion of what belongs to us. So many of us get pushed over by the devil and by the issues of your flesh because we are not exercising our faith. We're not putting to work the grace of God. Are you hearing me? You guys with me? Oh, how we need to know it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We need to learn to engage faith in a greater way. Faith in who God is, faith in his word, faith in his promise. And let me tell you something, faith lives by the invisible world. Faith operates by the invisible unseen things, the unseen things that are more real than this. We live so often by what we can touch, taste, feel, handle, sense, our normal human intuition, though the Holy Ghost animates those things as well. God can use those things, but if you have not died to yourself and learned to truly be submitted to Christ and follow his leadership, those, those things control us. When God says, I want you to learn to live by the light of my spirit and the truth on the inside, which you've heard from heaven, not by what you see with your eyes. That's why when you're faced with a struggle, we have to look beyond the struggle and see God's purpose and intention. Every problem has a provision attached to it. Every giant has a promise, has a grace, has something from God. Worship team, you guys can come on up. We have to be a people that learn how to live by the Spirit's inspiration. That we can live and move and literally have our being in Him. Like the men and women of old, they were literally went about here and there, moved by the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures, the inspired Word of God, came by men and women, moved by the unction of the Spirit. Friends, we must be a people that know how to be moved by the Spirit of God. Are you with me? We need to know how to release the kingdom of God within us. This is something God's inviting us into. And this place of access to the throne of God is one of the most neglected blood rites, truly, that have left us in many ways spiritually bankrupt and in a position to trade the glory of God for idols and dead religion. There's something far more adventurous and glorious for you and I to have in Christ. There's more for you, there's more for me to know, to taste, to see, to experience. There's more. He's beautiful, he's wonderful. We've never seen anyone like him and he wants to fascinate us. Friends, that fascination comes as you take time to enter in by the Spirit and behold him. Yeah. To look at him, to engage with what's happening in heaven. You're meant to literally do that. You're not meant to act like a mere mortal. 
You hearing me? We act like mere humans when you're not. You're really not. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creature. The new order has come. That's either true or it's not. The Bible even says don't even know each other merely by the flesh anymore. And we need to know each other by the Spirit. You want an authentic supernatural community walking in unity? You'll get over your offenses real quick if I can love you and see who you really are in Christ. If I can look past your weakness and say, but that's not who you really are. This is who you are in Christ. It's a lot easier to love, forgive, and cover a multitude of offenses when you begin to see through the lens of the gospel and the new creation. Nothing else matters but a new creation. <laughs> we have to learn to operate and live out of this place. This is not some unattainable thing. This is what we have been born again into. We have been called to see in the spirit and not live like mere men. And the good news is that the way has been opened by Christ. Not because you did all the right things. That's what's really good. You don't have to attain some level of spiritual maturity to touch what I'm talking about. From the moment the Spirit of Christ came into your body when you surrendered your life, the kingdom was open to you. The veil has been opened through the veil of Christ's body. The most holy place where God's glory dwells is forever been opened for you to come in and out of with freedom and confidence as children of God. We have to learn to come with confidence and assurance. That's why Hebrews goes on to just elaborate about the glory of Christ's eternal sacrifice that he made through the eternal spirit to offer his blood to God through a heavenly tabernacle so that the conscience of the worshiper could be cleansed and that we could have assurance that faith brings to come before him. This is incredible. God has made provision for all people in all situations. None of you, none of us are too far gone. None of us are too broken, too shattered. None of us have suffered so much. It was not provided for by Jesus. He's the God that says it was finished. There's nothing left to pay. And everything that God requires and wants of us and intends for us, he provides by his spirit. He will work in us what's pleasing in his own sight. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus' humanity, is that he was tempted in every way, friends. Think about that. Jesus in his humanity was tempted in every way and yet did not sin. But he can empathize with every single one of you intimately, personally. He bore literally the sufferings of creation, the injustice, the hurt, the abuse, the sickness. He bore it all on his flesh. He indeed became sin, who knew no sin, that we could literally become the righteousness of God in Christ. This is incredible. But it says that literally he can empathize with our weakness and can now offer eternal salvation and help those in need to those that obey him. 
If we've come to him, yield to him, friends, he will save to the uttermost. He'll save to the uttermost. He's brought us back to God. He's given us the reconciliation. He literally causes us to be seated in Christ in heavenly places. This is amazing. And the gift of our weakness, friends, is to teach us how to depend on God. It's our weakness that escorts us into his strength. We just need to learn to properly acknowledge that. And Christ will live through you. This is amazing. Friends, as we close, I want to take time to just respond to the Lord. But friends, we need something fresh from heaven to touch our hearts. We've gotten so familiar, and friends, there is a divine encounter, experiences with his presence that we desperately need and that he's inviting us into. We need to come before him, and God will do it. Just a few recaps. Embrace hardship and discipline from the Father as a gift to train you in righteousness. Submit to God. Do not resist him in this season. Continue to let him do the work in your heart. He will not disappoint. He will not disappoint you. We got to get out of the flesh and get into the spirit. We've got to resist carnal living and put on Christ. Come on. We got to take on a victorious perspective, right? And understand that he loves us and has provided all things, amen? Come on, let's just make space to wait on him. There's more for you and I. There's more. And I just want to invite us to come, to lay hold of God, to wait on him, to peer into his beauty. Let's practice his presence and exchange with him. You know, this place of entering into faith and beholding God, coming to the mountain of the Lord, letting his spirit teach you, touch you, encounter you. Friends, this is a practice of the heart and of the faith where you come. You submit your imagination and your conscience and you come with assurance that he's for you. He will speak to you. There's things that he wants to give some of you today. Wisdom, insight, healing, release from your burdens. It comes as you come into his presence, friends. Come on, let's just stand for a moment as we respond. your heart begin to just yearn for him to look to him walk right in he loves you he is for you 